Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about Tom Homo, athletic director at BYU, and a kind of a controversial statement that he made about what was the highlight of this past season, um, actually losing to Utah. And it, we'll explain that to him, and we're going to go over the recruiting that's happening this, this week. We'll also talk about women's volleyball, BYU basketball, and we'll be talking about the bowl game. BYU will be in uh, Boise to play Western Michigan. Jeff Call is going to be on the scene immediately after he leaves this podcast. We'll be there this week. I'll be there and we'll be talking about that. That and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. Welcome to Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point. We're talking BYU sports. This podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. You get ticket information at saltlakestallions.com or give them a call at 833-223-2019. And this is bowl week for BYU. Jeff Call is leaving in a few minutes to go down to, uh, well, up to Boise. And he's going to have a potato bar, and he's going to put cheese and chives on it and sour cream. And I don't know what kind of meat you're going to put on it, but Jeff called. This is a bowl game BYU needs to be in and needs to win. They do. I mean, their their ultimate record hinges on this game, whether it's a winning season or a losing season. And that's all anyone's going to remember. I mean, looking back at the season, they're going to be remembered as either a winning season or losing season. And they've got to perform. And this is a team... I think that they should they should win this game, but uh, with this team, we have seen all year that they've there've been games where they just haven't shown up and played the way they should. And one thing that stands out about this game is you look at common opponents. There's one common opponent that's Northern Illinois. BYU lost at home to Northern Illinois. Western Michigan beat Northern Illinois. In fact, that was their last game, beating Northern Illinois, who went ended up winning the MAC championship. So, how to interpret that? I have no idea. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a game that BYU they need to come out and play like they did in that first half against Utah, with passion, with fire, and uh, being aggressive. Brandon Gurney, um, if you consider that Northern Illinois lost by BYU, this was the I think the second game that a freshman quarterback started. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson that was his second game after the Hawaii game, which is kind of explosive. Then he played a real good defense, really struggled. Maybe I don't want to blame him, but he cost him the game by throwing a pick on the final drive where they could have had a field goal and won that game. How much does that go into considering the loss to Northern Arizona as compared to a month later, a month and a half later when they're going to play West? Michigan, and he's had a lot of experience. And he had a great experience at Utah. Well, I think adjusting to Zach Wilson has been kind of an underrated thing, and just as far as the offense, it's changed pretty dramatically. When you see an offense that has so many young players with extra bowl practices, you expect a lot of upward mobility, a lot of continued momentum uh, going into this game. It's Western Michigan. With all due respect to Western Michigan, BYU needs to play like they don't belong in that bowl. They they belong somewhere else. Do away with them, make it a no-doubter. Yes, we're BYU. This team can't be on the same field as us. That's what you want to see. Well, they will be bigger. BYU will be physically bigger. (laughs) They will will be physically bigger. Absolutely. But but as far as recruiting goes, all that, yeah, 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 you you need to get get this done, and you need to get it done in in, in an impressive fashion. Well, let's break it down. Who's going to be the X Factor, and what is your prediction, Jeff Call? Prediction on the game? Yeah, Uh and who's going to be the X Factor? Um, Well, going into this, I would say probably Squally Canada. 
or Lopini Katoa. Now, we don't know Lopini's situation. That's still kind of up in the air. No one's been definitive about whether he'll play or not. But I just do think that this team needs a solid, consistent run game to win this game. And we've seen it all year. Uh, they've got to they've got to be able to run the ball. Matt Hadley's out. He had a pretty impressive uh, performance the last few games of the season, but he's done. So you know, then we have Squally Canada, who's we've heard is available for this game, but he really hasn't done much since the Wisconsin game two months ago, however long that is. So I mean, what are we going to see out of Squally? I don't know, but someone has got to step up. Whether it's Squally, whether it's Lopini, whether it's somebody has to step up and be able to run the ball. Brandon Gurney, what is your X factor, and what's your prediction? I want to see the receivers do something. I want to see a receiver have a big game. Alema Hifo, um, Gunnar Romney, maybe he's he's going to do something. Um, just a receiver stepping up and taking control. Maybe a talent show might because that's he's the, the one thing. Receiver, talent's a leading receiver. They've gone through him a lot. <laughs> that's that's kind of an indictment on on the receivers and what they've been doing because I I mean when you say that Dig people are like yeah Talon he's, he's dominating no you don't say that you're like wow that's really the guy I mean with all due respect to Talon he's been fine he's been okay but that's kind of the point they've just been fine they've just been kind of filling in right you just want to see because I don't think with this recruiting class we're going to get to uh, later that BYU's bringing in some talent they need someone from this lot to really step forward and say yeah I'm a guy I'm a go-to guy in this receiving course so, so we'll see if that that takes place and your in this prediction. bowl game. My, my prediction, I think BYU's going to, oh man, predictions this year. I've been so wrong in every game. But but no, I, I think I think BYU's going to run these guys. I, I think it's going to be 38-17. My X factor, uh, I really think, should be the tight ends. You've got two guys in, uh, in uh, Matt Bushman and Dallin Holker, and they're very good athletes. They're very good receivers. I think they've been underutilized a lot this year, and I think they could come out and be a big factor in this game. They need to be. I think the mismatches that they present for uh, um, for Western Michigan are going to be very evident, and they need to use them a lot more. And I agree with both of you about the receivers and the and the running backs. The, the defense is, is going to be really interesting to me because you don't have Corbin Kafusi. You probably will not have Isaiah Kafusi. These are two great big playmakers, and uh, Western Michigan is capable of putting points on the board. They did that with Northern Illinois. They put a lot of points on the board in the 20s. I think it was 26 or 20, 21 or 20, yeah. So, so they scored a lot more points than BYU was able to do. So they're very capable, but they're, they give up a lot of yards and they give up a lot of points. They're ranked really, really bad in the statistics as far as defense goes. And so BYU's got to win this with their offense. They've got to put up points. They've got to score in the thirties or forties. Well, gentlemen, this week is, uh, recruiting. It's a national uh, national letter of intent signing day early. Usually you have these things happen in February, but that's coming up early, and that happens this week. And uh, Brandon Gurney, I know this is kind of down your line, but uh, there's, there's a lot of names on the list, and some of them are expected to sign. I think probably the one that a lot of people are interested in is Chase Roberts, because Utah, I think, is having a little bit of a struggle in landing some, some, some of the top recruits on their list, and they've come hard after Chase Daniel. Chase Roberts. Yeah, Chase appeared all over Twitter and Ute Gear, which kind of put fans in a frenzy. And, and why wouldn't it? I mean, this is BYU's top recruit uh, outside of Jacob Conover. Um, outstanding player. I, I mean, most years he'd far and away be the best uh, receiver in the state, but this year, yeah, Puka Nakua. So it, it's an extraordinary year, an extraordinary talent. A guy BYU has to get an early commit. Um, I, I believe BYU holds him if he does not sign Wednesday and opts to sign for the later period, which I, I'm kind of 
of hearing he might be leaning toward because he he did get named as an Under Armour All American and all that, and maybe he wants to do the whole thing and get pub and all that. So if he doesn't sign Wednesday, maybe a little bit of trepidation. I I don't know. I I still think BYU lands this kid, but it, it's it's not a sure. Well, there's no sure things in recruiting if I've learned anything through the years, but but I think BYU's going to end up with him. Well, you know, you know Connor. Uh, um uh, Jacob Connor, he's a quarterback, maybe a little bit undersized, but he's accomplished something that no other quarterback in high school has done in the state of Arizona. And you're talking about Danny White and Max Hall and a lot of other good quarterbacks, and that is he's won, what, three or four state titles for, for uh, Chandler. But the interesting thing I wanted to ask you about uh, is that he's been a catalyst in contacting a lot of recruits and trying to build this class up. What do you know about that? Um, he's done a fantastic job with that. And when you look at a guy like Chase Roberts, a guy, he will be throwing the football. And both these guys are serving missions. Yeah, come back. Listen, I'm a four-star guy. I'm going to be throwing you the ball. I think that's kind of a big thing for Chase Roberts, who, who I still believe will sign with BYU, but it's kind of, you know, there's a little trepidation there. So, so yeah, it's always a big thing. Uh, Jeff Call, this is kind of down your line because your kids go to high school with him, but uh, Michael Daly and outside linebacker, Lone Peak High School. You can hit a driver from your house and hit it into the Lone Peak parking lot. What do you know about well, Michael Davey? I don't know if I can, but yeah, you can. Uh, Michael Daly, I, I've seen him play uh, quite a few times this year, and he's very impressive. I mean, he looks like a guy that could be, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not the type of person that likes to overhype kids or things like that, but he just looks like a, a kid that will be a very solid defensive player in the future. For BYU, I mean, he looks like a BYU player. He's very disruptive. He makes plays. He's a leader. And so this is a really big pickup for BYU. Wouldn't you say, Brandon? When we look at, back at this class four or five years from now, I, I, I won't be surprised at all if Michael Daly is the guy that, that, yeah, he was the top recruiter of this class. Very good player. One, one feature of this class is offensive linemen. They've gone hard over some real yeah. good athletes at offensive line. The Freeman kid uh, from uh, Harriman. You've got a, a guy named uh, Brock Gunderson from Cypress Woods in Texas. You've got the uh, the Elijah Unatoa. Uh, he's from Hawaii. Uh, this class may be remembered uh, for for Conover because of the quarterback situation, but there will be some offensive linemen here that probably will progress and be pretty good. Yeah, none of them are headliners, but a, a solid group. I, you always want to get a lot of good offensive linemen, and that's kind of the position for BYU moving forward with this offensive coordinator. And I, I, I swear, I argue every time I'm on this podcast, offensive line needs to be the the marquee position at BYU. There's no reason why it shouldn't be. So you like the depth, yeah, you like the potential of these guys. I I, I really like Elijah Unatoa from. Hawaii. He's, he's a kid that kind of stands out to me on film as just a guy that, that, that has a lot of upward mobility and a lot of potential. They have a uh, commitment uh, to sign from a George Udo a kid, uh, a defensive back. His highlight film looks very good. He's from uh, uh, Bernard Christian Academy. What do we know about him? I, I think they like him as a receiver, actually, and uh, kind of one of those under-the-radar guys. I, I think he's a guy that, that he needed to commit or that offer might have gone away, but, but but yeah, an interesting guy, uh, along with Keanu Hill, big-bodied receivers, uh, possession-type receivers, and and we know they need more receiver talent in this program. These guys are, are guys that won't be going on missions that could potentially could contribute immediately. Skyview High School's Caleb Christensen, another prospect, and uh, Eric Ellison, a junior college, uh, I think, a defensive back. Both are slated to sign. Do you expect that they'll come through? Yeah, Ellison just recently committed. Um, I think he's a mid-year guy. I'd have to check on that, but... I really like what BYU's doing at defensive back. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen this much young talent 
uh, since I've been covering the program. These guys can play. BYU secondary has been very good this year. And if they can keep these guys in the program, that's always the thing with defensive backs is just keeping these guys around. And I think with Gennaro Guilford, that's going to help a lot in, in that regard. And they can, if they can keep these guys around, we might be saying BYU's cornerback is a position of strength. When have we ever said that? <laughs> and, and moving forward, it could be if they keep all these kids while adding guys like Ellison to it. Would it be safe to say that the, the, the real disappointment of what will happen this week is that uh, A.J. Seward, the running back coach, I think has done a great job in identifying talent, going after them, bringing them on campus, making some offers to some very talented running backs. I think they've offered about nine, but it ends up that I don't know that they might even get one yeah. or two or zero. <laughs> he may be shut out, but it's not because of the effort, and I think that's a little bit disappointing, Brandon. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the guy they really wanted was the A.J. A- and Robbins from Louisville. He, he looked like the most likely to sign, and he, he went back to Louisville. So, yeah, there's a real need at running back. Um, man, you look at the attrition be what you went through. Yeah, they need running backs. So, so yeah, you struck out. You don't win, win all of them. Uh, not for lack of effort. They offered a lot of guys, as you just mentioned. But anyway, man, maybe one of these guys will land, but uh, I, I think seven of them have, have publicly said they're not coming to BYU, and two kind of in play. One really in play. I'm, I'm forgetting the guy's name right now, but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be able to sign a running back. Well, just a reminder, we are sponsored uh, today in this podcast by the Salt Lake Stallions. We invite you to go to saltlakestallions.com. Um, and, uh, and and look at the ticket information. You can also call it 833-223-2019. And, and uh, this is something that will be taking place, I think, in February. A new league. A lot of local players have tried out and made that team. And uh, it would be a great opportunity to see uh, Dennis Erickson and what he's put together. Professional football in Utah. The Salt Lake Stallions. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are going around right now. Tom Homo, uh, in an article uh, that Jeff Call you did, uh, is just getting hammered when he said one of the highlights of this season was how BYU played in the first half of the Utah game. Well, he said um, the highlight of the season. He said the highlight. I, and he is getting mocked. He's getting hammered. He is getting hit really, really hard. He came out uh, today uh, with a little bit further of a clarification that when he was on uh, BYU Sports Nation, and uh, Brian Logan kind of questioned about that, and he said, you know, and this is Tom Homo tweeting out, Brian's right. I didn't answer the question very well. The thoughts were with in another direction. Obviously, Wisconsin was a great win, and the highlight of the season, the first half of the last game, was our best half of the year, uh, all things considered. Jeff Call, maybe you could give us the background on this story and how it came about and let people understand, because this is your story. You can explain this better than anybody, because you, this is yours. This is this is you. You initiated this, and Tom now is having to Jeff Call's of, fault. <laughs> this, I can't say it's your fault, but tell us what happened well, in the story. So I I want to do a story this week, kind of looking at the season and the job that Kalani's done, uh, bouncing back from a losing record. Now, like we mentioned earlier, it could be another losing record or it could be a winning record, depending on what happens uh, Friday. But uh, I thought I would um, you know reach out to some people that could kind of. Give me some perspective, and and of course I thought of Tom because uh, he's Kalani's boss. And but the thing is, I don't know if our listeners know this or not, but Tom does not generally give interviews. Those who have followed uh, the Deseret News and other media know that he does these Q and As as a group session, and which is really good. But it's very rare that he gives us one-on-one interviews. So when I reached out to BYU to try to talk to Tom, I was told that. 
he was going to Minneapolis for volleyball and he was really busy. But if I could email a few questions, they could see if he could answer those. And so that's what happened a couple of days after I emailed the questions. Uh, and I asked several questions about the season and about Kalani and the direction of the program. And one of the questions I asked was, what for you was the highlight of the season? And so when I got the, the uh, email back, I was, like everyone, I was kind of surprised to see his response because I thought for sure he's going to say the Wisconsin game, beating a ranked team on the road. But the problem is when you email back and forth in a setting like that, you really can't do follow-up questions, and it makes it difficult that way to... That made it hard for Tom to really yeah. get this done. Is that yeah. you didn't follow up with you know we'll explain why and then maybe yeah. he would have done something different or said something right. Different, right? He could have clarified like he did in the tweet today. He could have taken care of that when I talked to him, but that didn't happen. So yeah, I mean I appreciate Tom for taking the time to answer, but uh, he may never do it again. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reality. <laughs> that yeah. is the bottom line yeah. because he got burned on this. Yeah, I mean I think people you know and I think I understand what where Tom's coming from. Just like he kind of clarified. That's kind of why I took it as I mean twenty nothing at halftime. No. No one, no one would have predicted that. No one could have seen that coming. And they were out coaching Utah. They were, uh, they were dynamic on offense. They're playing well on defense. Um, so I see what he's, what he, where he's coming from. But I think the implication of what he said was that it's okay for moral victories. We're, we're satisfied with just showing glimpses of being competitive. And I don't think that's what Tom meant at all. I mean, I think you know. I think you'll address this, uh, having seen Tom in the elevator right after that Utah game, right? Yeah, how he felt. I, you know, I, I could tell. I could tell BYU fans this because I, I came down to the field and I got on the elevator, and by by surprise, walking in the elevator, I was with Tom and his wife and his children. Um, and and let me tell you, they were devastated. They looked like death warmed over. They were not happy because they had been up and high in the first half, and then they had walked out, uh, seeing the team collapse. And this was not a highlight of the season for that family and for Tom Homo. It was not. But I also know and, uh, that Tom looks at it from this perspective, and that is that this team went through a lot. They had some key injuries to some people. They made a quarterback change, a decisive quarterback change in a direction of the program to bring Zach Wilson in for a very veteran player in, in Tanner Magnum. And then they started playing some other freshmen because they beat out the other players. He also had tried to, ho- to, to hire uh, Kyle Whittingham at least two, maybe three times, had a verbal commitment from him back in 2005 that he would uh, come and coach at BYU. So he had a personal interest in his former teammate and team captain at BYU and Kyle Whittingham sitting there in I think in the press box and seeing a twenty to nothing lead and a twenty seven to seven lead late in the third quarter. This was a highlight for Tom. I mean he was excited about seeing okay this this is a direction that we're we're kind of taking this program. It ended up being a disaster in the end and nobody can celebrate that and I can tell you from first hand experience they were not happy that they had to feel the way they did getting in that elevator and uh, facing a lot of the Utah faithful as they also mingled with them. But it was interesting to see how hard, Brandon Gurney, that Tom got hammered over this question. See, Tom's response is probably going to be to talk to the media even less, which is unfortunate. I think he could do himself a lot of favors by being more accessible so that when Jeff does an interview or anybody like this, it's just like, hey, Tom, oh, you don't mean that. Can you clarify and all that? I I think making yourself more accessible would would do a lot of good. I, I, I don't know why he doesn't make himself more accessible. 
possible. It's kind of been a frustration for everyone, but I think he, I think a lot of good could come with it, just forging a better relationship, a more understanding relationship with the media. I'd like to see that, but it's probably not going to happen. Well, I like Tom. I've, I've covered him since he was a freshman in high, uh, in high school, or as, as a freshman at BYU. I, I covered him in a recruiting story when he signed at BYU uh, out of Southern California. I followed his career, and he's a good guy. I think he's doing a reasonably good job. I think people that, that, that are dissatisfied with the wins and the losses and the way they're losing and stuff like that, one of the first people they kind of pick on are the coaches and, and then the athletic director. Um, but there's a lot of good signs happening right now. I believe uh, there's been movement in this program, which is really fighting against a lot of odds in college football the way that the scene is right now. Um, the honor code and some other things. We've talked about all that. I don't want to get into that. But let's let's talk about your latest story, Jeff Call. You, uh, you did have a story about the freshman movement at BYU. Uh, this playing a glut of freshmen, is this something because they needed a new direction? Or did these guys actually just kind of step up and beat people out? Well, I mean, you talk to the coaches, and it sounds like this is a situation where um, these young guys came and uh, put in the work, and they beat out some of these other more veteran guys. And, and we, we're seeing uh, you know, the leading passer on this team is a true freshman, leading rusher on this team is a true freshman. Three uh, freshmen have started on the offensive line, including uh, you know, James Empey has started every game. Uh, so, you know, there's, it's one of those things where these guys, we've seen them kind of grow up through the season, and there's been some good times and some bad times. But I think for the long-term uh, health of the program, I think to have these guys, uh, and not just not just getting the playing time, but the continuity is, is crucial. I think most of these guys uh, are coming back next year, too. We're not going to see a lot of disruption with guys leaving on missions for two years. There's going to be some continuity here, and that's really important. That's something we don't see a whole lot at BYU, guys playing together for long periods of time. We're going to throw the next two topics together to kind of end things, and that is uh, BYU basketball and the women's volleyball team. Um, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I don't know which one we ought to go first, but uh, you know, I, I got to tell you that uh, when BYU lost to Weber State up in Ogden, it was the first time that Dave Rose had lost to Weber State, and they didn't play well. They didn't look good. It was not a very good loss at all. And then they rebounded, won three games. They beat Utah in the in the Vivint uh, Arena and handled them pretty good, and that made fans feel a little bit rosy. Uh, they go down to Las Vegas on a neutral court and play a team that's probably ranked in the three hundreds. That is not playing very good, not shooting very well, can't hit outside shots, Jeff Call, and they lose to that team in overtime after making a screaming comeback. They set the the fans' hearts on fire, and then they let them down. They literally let That was a horrible loss by BYU. I don't care how hard they fought back. It was a horrible loss. Yeah, well, so going into that game, I was looking at UNLV shooting, and they were, uh, I think they, for the year, were shooting like 26% from three-point range. They're just not very good outside, like you mentioned, not good outside shooting. And what did they do? They hit 13 threes, including the game winner at the buzzer in overtime. And, you know, it's just like, where does this come from? But we've seen this before. Yep. Teams are consistently doing this against BYU. Teams that don't shoot uh, very well, all of a sudden they shoot really well. And then same with the free throw line, which you can't guard the free throw line, but still, there's this is weird. Um, well, I think, traditionally, BYU players have had great three throw shooting. You go back to the Danny Ainge, you yeah. go all the way through Roger Reed and uh, Coach Anderson and that. They, they were up in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and they're missing free throws that 
could have won the game easily at Weaver State in, in this game. Yeah, yeah, and then I'd also throw in that uh, Southern Illinois game. That was very similar, I think, mm-hmm. to the Southern Illinois game, um, where they're just, you know, Southern Illinois is hitting threes all over the place. They're making all their free throws, and then BYU is struggling in those areas. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, where we sit now, I don't know. BYU's got a game Saturday against uh, San Diego State, and San Diego State is not the same San Diego State that we've been used to. Um, so I think that's a winnable game. But right now, I don't know. After Coming off those three wins, I really thought that uh, you know they had that players-only meeting after the Weber State game. They got Nick Emery back, uh, played pretty well against Utah. That Utah State game was amazing, the way they played. I mean, they were just dialed in from the beginning and took control of that game. Um, now, I don't know where they're at. I mean, they've got finals this week. They've kind of got a kind of a long layoff to their next game. I don't know what to expect. Killer instinct. Being up all the time. Playing hard all the time. Being interested and engaged all the time. Finishing things that are well. Brandon Gurney, you went to Minneapolis. The women I did. ranked number one in the country. Uh, it was really seated cold Seated in the top final four. Maybe one of the best hitters in the country, an All-American. Uh-huh. They get out there and they do what the men usually do. They just flat out didn't play. It was stunning to watch. I mean, Stanford's really good, but man, BYU was never in it. It was more of a case of BYU just not doing what it does. The passing was terrible. It, it was just one of those matches where I was just stunned by what I was seeing. I mean, uh, this is a team that beat Stanford earlier in the year. Yes, things changed. Beat BYU uh, didn't ha- have its second-best pin hitter, McKenna Miller, but I don't think it would have mattered because they weren't passing to set up really good kill opportunities the entire match. And it, it was really a disappointing end to what's been a remarkable season for the women. And and, and what really hurts is, is, is people probably came away, BYU didn't really belong there, when absolutely they did belong there. They just oh, had a really, really bad match. They didn't play. This is kind of a theme that's going on with BYU athletics lately, is that they take you right to the threshold of something really exciting, and then they just kind of let you down. Is there a reason for that? Is that just what we're going to have out of BYU sports from now on? Because I'll tell you, fans are sick of it. They're tired of it. Man, I don't know how to They're tired of investing that. in it, and they're tired of seeing it. <laughs> it's, it needs to change. Well... Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd love to hear from you through email at cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. And please subscribe or download to our podcast wherever you find it, where we can deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU sports, and we'd love to have you join us. We also want you to take a look at the Salt Lake Stallions. You can get a hold of the ticket information through saltlakestallions.com or call 833-223-2019. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. There'll be much more coming.